Well, knowledge can change things. Like when you find out you're a celiac, uh, that's going to change your diet. Uh, Or more dramatically, if you find out as an adult that you're actually adopted, uh, that's going to change the way that you view your parents. Knowledge can change things, even little things. So your knowledge that brushing your teeth is actually good for your health, well, that leads you to brush your teeth uh, twice a day or maybe more. But it can be big things as well, can't it? Uh, your knowledge of Christ coming back to judge the living and the dead, well, that can change things, can't it? That can lead to all sorts of things. You probably know of families who have left Australia. They've got to go and learn another country, uh, learn another language. They leave behind family and friends and financial security. And why do they do that? Because they know that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he's coming back to judge... And so people need to be ready for it. But the knowledge of Christ's return, that can lead to a whole stack of little things as well, can't it? It can, it can lead to people looking after lonely people here on a Sunday morning over morning tea. It can lead to people uh, helping out with meals when some people are in need. It can be befriending people at school who've got no friends. There's a whole bunch of things that we do because we know Jesus Christ is Lord. And they can be hard things, uncomfortable things, awkward things, things we might not choose to do, things we might not want to do. But we do them because we know something. We know Jesus Christ is Lord, and that knowledge changes things. Well, the letter of Titus we're looking at over the next four Sundays is all about knowledge changing how you live. That when you have the knowledge of God's truth... That leads to godliness. That's what the letter of Titus is all about. Throughout the letter, Paul takes note of some staggering truths about God and his point is when you know these truths, it changes how you live. And this morning, that the, the truth, the particular truth that, of God that Paul has in mind is the truth of God's plan. That God has a plan and it cannot fail. And when you know that plan and when you believe in that plan, well, you live in godliness. So let's have a look. We start uncovering God's plan by first learning of God's slave, the Apostle Paul. Now look how Paul describes himself there in verse 1. Verse 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. First way Paul describes himself here is as a servant of God, literally a slave of God. It's the idea that Paul belongs to God, that he's owned by God, he's completely controlled by God, he's at God's bidding, he is God's slave. And Paul also describes himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now an apostle is someone who is sent by someone else with a message. And Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. In other words, he is sent by Christ with the message of Christ. And so Paul understands himself as the slave of God and the messenger of Jesus Christ. And just to be clear, he's not down about it. Uh, Elsewhere in the New Testament, Paul makes it very clear that he can think of no higher station in life than to be the slave of God and the messenger of Christ. Our next door neighbour, when I was growing up, Uh, She spent most of her working life as a secretary. It's not incredibly glorious work, but she took great satisfaction from the fact that she was once 
a, uh, one of the secretaries to a member of parliament in the New South Wales government. If the person you work for is high enough up the ladder, it can be an enormous privilege to serve under them. Well, you can't get any higher than serving God and being the messenger of Jesus Christ. Paul understood that he was being used by God for God's purposes, and that was an enormous privilege. And what purpose did God have for Paul? Well, God used Paul for the sake of his people. Paul was God's slave for God's people. Have a look at verse 1 again. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. God used Paul for the faith of God's elect. Jesus Christ sent Paul for their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Now, it's worth spending a little bit of time thinking about Paul calling God's people the elect. Because Paul could have called God's people any number of things. He could have called them Christians, could have called them saints. He could have called them God's children, but he called them God's elect. And I think he did that because he wanted to impress upon Titus and us that God's people, they're not random. They're not flukes or accidents. God's people didn't become the people of God by chance. They're not lucky. Christians are Christians because they're chosen by God. They're the result of God's deliberate action. And God has deliberate purposes for his people. Did you see it in verse 1? Have a look. God used Paul for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. It's a little bit like a school teacher working in their classroom and they want little Johnny to work better, uh, work more quietly. But in order to do that, the teacher needs to send a quieter student to go and sit next to them. And so the teacher sends the quieter student for the purpose of helping Johnny. Well, Jesus Christ sent Paul for the purpose of helping the elect for their faith and for their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Now, exactly how Paul is used by God for their faith and their knowledge of the truth becomes clear a bit later on. But for now, please notice that God has purposes for his people. He hasn't randomly arranged us, got us together and then wondered, well, what am I going to do with them now? No, God has a purpose for his people, that they would trust him, that they would know the truth about him so that they would live in godliness. That's what it means to be one of God's people from this verse. So if you're here this morning and you're Christian, then by definition your trust is in God, you know the truth about God, and knowing that truth is driving you forwards in godliness. And we should be clear about what godliness is. Godliness is simply living the way God wants us to and living the way God's told us to. Godliness is just living God's way. It's the lifestyle of the person who knows God. And we're going to think about what that looks like in a moment, but we need to keep going because God hasn't deliberately selected you just so that you would trust him and live a life of godliness. He's also chosen you for the certainty of eternal life. And with this, we start to hit upon the particular truth 
that Paul has in mind which leads to godliness. Of course, all truth about God is going to lead to godliness. But here at the beginning of Titus, the particular truth about God that Paul's got on his radar is that God has stored up for his people eternal life. And your knowledge of this truth leads to godliness. Verse 2 again. Uh, For the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life. See, God has given his people the hope of eternal life. Now, we should be clear about the word hope here. Uh, the word, when the Bible uses the word hope, it doesn't use it in the sense of uh, I hope it'll rain today. Uh, in the Bible, the word hope is not wishful thinking. Uh, hope in the Bible is having confidence in what is to come because of its certainty and knowing the truth of the hope of eternal life leads God's people to godliness because knowing your future shapes what you do in the present. Like when you're told that you have terminal cancer, that is going to profoundly shape what you do in the present, in the time you have left. Or if you know that your best friend is coming over for a meal, you're going to get your house ready and get the meal ready. Knowing that school was going back this week meant that Catherine and I got things ready beforehand. But you and I, we change what we do even when we've only got a best guess about what's going to happen in the future. Like the farmer who plans their crops based in part on medium to long-term weather forecasting or investing your money. There's nothing certain about the financial system and yet we do things in the present based on what we think will happen. You see, even sort of knowing what will happen in the future shapes what we do in the present. Well, as God's people, we have the hope of eternal life. We do know the future and that shapes what we do in the present. Our knowledge of the hope of eternal life leads us to godliness. But before we think about how that works, there's more to this truth. Paul hasn't finished with us yet. He wants us to understand the eternal plan of God for our eternal life because the more we know this truth, the more we'll be led into godliness. And the more to this truth that Paul wants us to know is that this hope of eternal life has been God's plan all along. You are no accident. And so we can rest in the assurance of God always having had us in mind. Before time began, he promised the hope of eternal life. And now in the midst of our history, he's revealing that plan and getting people to join him in the joy of eternal life. Have a look at verse 2. Verse 2. A faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie promised before the beginning of time. And at his appointed season, he brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Saviour. There's a lot in there. Uh, Did you get it all? First off, God can't lie. God can't lie. And he promised, he said, before the beginning of time, he promised the hope of eternal life. That means it'll definitely happen. And so in God's timing, he's letting people in on his plan so that they will join him in eternal life. God's telling them about this hope through the preaching of Paul, 
because Paul was commanded by God to preach. He is, after all, God's slave, sent by Jesus Christ, sent to preach of this hope so that God's people would put their faith in Christ. He was sent to preach so that God's people would have a knowledge of the truth, the truth of God's eternal plan, of the hope of eternal life, so that God's elect would know this truth and be led into a life of godliness, all according to God's plan. Can you stop and breathe that in just for a moment? Just think a little of what God has done to bring us to this point. Because if you're genuinely Christian, then God has chosen you to belong to him. Before time began, he promised you the hope of eternal life. To fulfill that promise, God sent his one and only son to die in your place so that you could have the hope of eternal life. At God's perfect timing, he brought this hope to light through the preaching of Paul and he's had the record of that hope written down by the apostles. God has ensured the faithful and accurate transmission of this hope as people collected up the letters of the apostles. God has had the Bible faithfully preserved for thousands of years. He has raised up in every age people to proclaim this hope right up to the present day so that right now, even in your little old life, God brought people to you so that you would hear of the hope of Jesus Christ. God has held sway over every little detail, big and small, to ensure the faithful preaching of his gospel, to make sure that you heard, and when you did, you eventually or quickly put your faith in God. You were given the knowledge of the truth of God's plan for eternal life. You're included in it all. God has had it all planned out, engineered countless moments of history, sent his son to die and rise again, had his gospel preserved and told to you, secured for you the hope of eternal life. He has done all of this for you so that you could live in quiet indifference to the God who orchestrated the cosmos to bring you to this point so that you could worry more about what you eat and drink and your bank balance than you do about pleasing God? No way. Not when you know this truth. When you have knowledge of God's eternal plan for your hope of eternal life through Christ. When you understand something of the lengths that God has gone to for your sakes, you can't help but live in godliness. You can't help but live to please the God who shifted heaven and earth to bring you to this point. Now, if you can hear of this plan of God and you can continue to live as if it's not true or if it's irrelevant, as if God's plan for the hope of eternal life should have no impact on your life whatsoever, well, if that's you, then you have no real knowledge of it. In fact, you might right now be dismissing it as all one great big hoax or a foolish crutch for weak people, and it'll show. Because hearing of the grand plans of God for the eternal life of his people will make no difference to your life. You don't see yourself as being part of it all, and so hearing about it means nothing to you in the end. And so for you, nothing will change. It's as if I was up here trying to get you to buy an industrial-sized Hewlett-Packard LaserJet 4200 DDN printer. 
Because you don't need a printer that's designed to do 80,000 copies per month. You can't ever see yourself needing one. You don't care how good it is and no matter how long I prattle on about it, for you nothing will change because it's irrelevant. But I'm not trying to sell you an industrial-sized printer. I'm talking about the eternal plans of God for the eternal life of his people. And that news, that truth, well, that drives you to action. If you have a genuine knowledge of God's plan, if you know and understand something of God and what he has done for you and what he has in store for you, well, then you want to live his way. Knowledge of this truth, it leads to godliness. Now, in the next few weeks, as we continue our way through Titus, we're going to see some specifics of the godliness that God has in mind. We're going to see some concrete ways that we can live out our lives to please him and to be like him. But at this stage, at the beginning of the letter, Paul just wants us to understand the reality of our entire lives as God's people. That God's purpose for you, if you're one of his people, his purpose for you is this, that you would know the truth and so live for God. That is the reality And the purpose of your life, knowing the truth of God, you would live a life of godliness. Everything else fits under that umbrella. Everything we do, every situation we find ourselves in, every moment of our lives can be negotiated by simply asking ourselves, how do I be godly here? How how can I live the way that God wants me to? How can I live the way that God's told me to? Because this is the purpose of God for your life, to know the truth and for your knowledge of that truth to lead you to godliness. Now, there's lots in life that can distract us from living a life of godliness. For some reason, we find the little details of our lives much more engrossing and more important than the grand plans of God and his eternal hope. And look, it's not that work pressures aren't real. It's not that the financial crisis hasn't made life difficult in our home repayments or our retirement options. It's not that there's nothing to worry about at school with our teachers or our friends or our enemies. It's not that our family life is without stresses. It's not that there's nothing to be worried about with our kids or our parents. It's not that any of these are unimportant, but that there's a bigger picture. God chose us. Before the beginning of time, he promised us eternal life. And at his appointed time, he had his plan brought to light through the preaching of the gospel. And he made sure you heard the gospel. He's graciously gathered us as his people so that we could live for him. And so everything else in life comes under this. And so no matter what is happening in your life at the moment, no matter what will happen in your life, in it all, This will always be true. God has chosen you to be one of his people with the hope of eternal life. And so in it all, we just need to keep asking ourselves, how can I be godly? How can I be godly? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Your plans, the hope of eternal life that you promised before the beginning of time, 
Father, these plans are enormous. They're exciting. And it's incredible that you would include people like us into your plans of the hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And we want to pray that you would give us just something of an understanding of what a privilege and what an honour it is to be included in your people, included in your plans. Father, help us to, to live lives of godliness because we know this truth. Help us, please, to live for you because you alone are God and you are so very good. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.